Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business, generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Traffic Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. And your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the Dean and Founder of Directions University at DirectionsUniversity.com and the co-founder of Divisio, the all-new affiliate network for people in all niches. We have a great show lined up for you guys today. We have my co-host, Jack Humphrey, the Associate Dean of Directions University, as well as the co-founder of Divisio. Jack, I'm going to get you something here. I don't know what, but I will get you something. How are you, Jack? Oh, marvelous. Spring has sprung. Just had an incredible walk, and I was talking to squirrels and birds and clouds, and it was, oh, man, Winter. I hate winter. I love spring. <laughs> That's awesome. I hate winter, too. That's why I live in a place that we don't have winter. Ah, Denise O'Brien. I know her. Yes, that you do. Well, let me go Let me go ahead and get her introduction done here. Denise O'Brien is with us today. She's an award-winning entrepreneur and humanitarian, an international speaker, event producer, film producer, author, publicist, and mistress of ceremonies. As if there weren't enough things, she's also the CEO and founder of Dome Consulting, LLC, the parent company of Denise O'Brien Movies and Entertainment, an award-winning boutique PR firm which provides innovative branding and public relations strategies for corporations, producers, authors, actors, speakers, nonprofit organizations, and empowered men and women from around the world. So Denise is kind of a big deal, people. Listen up. Denise, welcome. Well, thank you, Jack. It's great to hear your voice today, and thank you, Gina, so much for inviting me to be on your show. It's an honor and a privilege. Oh, Denise, thank you so much. I have so getting to know this woman. She is amazing. Yes, she is. I We met at a JV Zoo event maybe last year. Was it last year or was it maybe even two years ago? You know, about I think 18 it's been about months two, ago. two years. <laughs> Thank you, Gina. 18 months. It goes so fast when, when you're having so much fun. The days just get shorter and shorter the way I look at it. There's never enough hours yeah. in the day. Absolutely. Well, so we'll start you off like we start everybody. Uh, what got you out of bed today? What what gets you out of bed so excited to greet every day these days? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, today what got me out of bed was getting up to take my daughter to school, so that's the, the most important uh, mission I have is to uh, leave a legacy for my children and to be a good role model. I'm a single mom with three children. Uh, my two oldest are in college, so they have to get themselves out of bed, but I hope that I've taught them well to uh, work hard and to uh, pursue their own dreams and passions. So every day is a different day. Some some days I don't even go to bed because I'm up all night working and enjoying my my dream and my career and my um, vision and mission, mission to really uh, empower people around the world to be masters of influence and to really live their lives with authenticity. And, and when you live your life like that, it's a good reason to get out of bed. 
masters of influence, you know, that perked me up a little bit. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, there's a lot of people in the world that really go, you know, to their grave with their song unsung, and they don't really live their their life the way they wish they would have. And I know for my own, in my own life, uh, for example, my parents, you know, in their 80s and watching what they did in their life and what they wish they would have done. And as I sh- share my dad's final days, as he has Alzheimer's now and, and, and chatting with him, there's a lot of things he that he wishes that he would have done that he couldn't do because he he had four kids and he was working full-time and, and trying to raise the family. And, and, you know, many people at his age, you know, obviously have regrets. So I, I just live every day like it's my last day and try to do my best to... Um, be excited, to be persuasive, to communicate from my heart, to, um, you know, really exude trust within my relationships so that people can immediately get that I'm there to be in service of them and at the same time uh, infuse them with a little bit of energy, electricity, ignite their passions uh, to to create whatever it is that they want. Because I think a lot of people don't really believe in themselves enough to know that they can have what they want and they can work toward that and they don't have to stay in a dead-end job or in a career that... You know, I've been an entrepreneur for 35 years, so my whole life I've enjoyed the pleasure of being my own boss and making my own schedule and hours and having flexibility. My daughter was homesick from school yesterday, so I was able to uh, take time to be with her. You know, I didn't have to call in sick or lie or tell somebody I wasn't somewhere I needed to be. So just to be be real in each moment, I think, and, and when you're like that, I think you attract other people that want to have that. I have a sense that you're kind of a leveragist, what we call a leveragist. Um, <laughs> you've had enough practice being an entrepreneur for this long and and uh, and getting, you know, the kind of attention that you need for people to understand who you are and what your service is, what your value in the world is. Can you talk a little bit about... Uh, you know, I mean, it's probably a lot different now because you have certainly reached critical mass. I mean, it doesn't take much probably for you to reach out and start a fire um, because you've <laughs> done so much networking and so much. But, you know, everybody still is always looking for new ap- opportunities, new ways to reach um, more audience, more people, affect more people's lives. What are the main components of what you're doing now to accomplish that goal? Well, obviously for me, uh, being in uh, – as a you know public relations expert here in Hollywood, California, uh, what we do to get that message out there is obviously through social media. So every platform, I li- live and love uh, Facebook and have three separate accounts there that I, I work from for my personal and for my business. And one of the things I teach, I, I just spoke uh, recently in India at the Women's Economic Forum on the topic of how to be your own best publicist, is all about, again, uh, branding yourself as, the expert in whatever your your field is. So in my particular field, my brand is to uh, be your brilliant best. And so just in, encouraging others to shine. Our company, as you mentioned earlier, is called Dome Consulting. Uh, the Dome, which stands for Denise O'Brien Movies and Entertainment, is also the beautiful gold. Our logo is the dome on the top of the most beautiful uh, churches and or you know political buildings throughout the world, and that's kind of like the shining glory on the top of those buildings. And many of many of those buildings have been around for you know millennium, decades, long time. So what we try to do is to, is to 
set ourselves apart, you know, with a unique selling proposition that we are going to create that for our clients in every area of what they're doing. So for myself as, you know, leveraging, as you said, the relationships is, is if you build the relationship on trust and authenticity and you're really there for your client at whatever level you need to come in to serve them and they get that from the very beginning, there's a lot of power in that uh, for the future of your relationship and the referral business. So I don't even have a website <laughs> for my business or my brand. Uh, I don't need a website because everything comes from referral, from people that meet me, that know me, that may see me on Facebook. Uh, even, you know, for example, the invitation to speak in India came from someone that found me on, on Facebook, a billionaire from India that contacted me and said, will you come and help us um, empower women, and, and we'd love to have you speak at our Women Economic Forum. So it, wow. I think that if you put a brand, if you put your brand out there um, in public, and it's a good brand, and it's a wholesome product, and it's something uh, that people are looking for, they're going to find you just with the good old, you know, manifestation, law of attraction principles, I suppose. You are such a perfectly placed guest today, and I know that it was a last-minute thing. It, what, it, what people don't understand is that we didn't have a guest today until like maybe <laughs> 10 minutes ago, and Gina and I are working on this book, The Leverage Black Book, and in it is a chapter that I just went back to and was cleaning up and was doing some more things and writing down some more ideas uh, all around the fact that you don't even need a website if you understand leverage. And here you are today to just almost as just to provide that example <laughs> so wow. we can talk about it. But that is powerful. I mean, a lot of people will be listening to this, and they'll be like, you are crazy. You've got to have a website. Everybody's indoctrinated right off the bat when you start a business. I've got to get a domain, and I've got to get a website, and I've got to work mm -hmm. on a logo. I've got to mm -hmm. get foundational content. I've got to learn about SEO. I've got to learn about social media marketing. I've got to learn about... You know, and they get this big list that if they did all of these things, they're not even going to start making money or start making an impact for like six or nine months, you know, because they're working on all this stuff they think they need. Tell us a little bit more about what it's like to live that kind of life where you know everything is taken care of. You've, you've moved your power to social media. Your channel is social media. How do, how do you not have a website when it's time to do business with you? How, how does all of that work? Because this is a completely unfamiliar world for all of our listeners here. Wow. Well, that, well thank you so much. It's so interesting because I, I was up very, very late last night putting together um, a bio for a magazine. In fact, I just forwarded that to Gina as she um, invited me to be on the show today. And what's, what's so interesting about that is it's for a fa it's fashion consciousness magazine. So as an example, I was at the... Um, Conscious Life Expo just last week with some clients uh, working on some business and of course I know a lot of friends in that particular community and I was there and I left and I, I was done with my morning there and I needed to uh, go back and pick up one of the brochures and I had to park my car, I had to wait in the, the traffic you know, for half an hour to get through, there were, there were thousands of people there and it was at, the, at, a, at a prominent hotel here in Southern California and I got stuck in the valet and I kept calling my friend, bring me the brochure, bring me the brochure I finally parked my car went inside, and I thought, I'm going to do that. And I, and I told myself, and I manifested, I said, there's a reason why I'm doing this. So I was calm, I was peaceful, 
I I went inside and, and in LA there's a lot of traffic, parking's an issue, down five levels down to the very bottom, parked my car in the very, very, very back in my high heels and dress. I ran all the way in, I grabbed the brochure that I needed for a client and I came back out and I'm standing at the elevator to leave and a woman comes up to me and I mean I had my back to everybody and I was just waiting to go back to the elevator and she says, Denise O'Brien is that you, Denise O'Brien? Oh my gosh, I'm I'm so glad I saw you because I've been wanting to call you since we met at XYZ event. Um, I want to feature you in my um, Fashion Consciousness magazine, and can you get me, you know, your bio and your photos like tomorrow because I want you in the next issue. <laughs> and had I not gone all the way back in there to get what I was planning to do, and I not and I told myself, and I also told her this. I said, you know, I'm just in the quick, quickie, you know, parking thing. I want to get back down to my car, so I have to pay another twenty dollars to park for two minutes. And so, you know, hop on the elevator with me. So we drove down. We we went down the five levels of the elevator. We spoke. We agreed. We discussed. And I gave her a hug, and I said, I knew there's a reason why I came back to get this brochure, and now I know it was to, so that I could run into you. So that's just an example of every day how I manifest is I I say things, the reason why I believe that they're going to happen or if a, a negative situation is about to come or I see something not right, I'll say, well, there's a reason for everything. There's a reason why I have to just look for what the reason is. In that case, the whole time I was sitting in that crazy parking situation, I said, there's a reason why. I don't know what it is yet, but there's a reason why I'm going back in there in the chaos. And that was it. So it happens for me. Um, so there I am. you know. And now, for example, typically to be featured in a national magazine like that, I'd have to do a pitch, do a send a letter, do that. But I just attracted that because of how that happened. So that's how I run my business is I open myself, my eyes, and I, you know, I dress the part. I look nice. I, I do teach, you know, classes. I've been in the skincare and beauty business as an entrepreneur for 30 years, I do believe that, you know, you don't get a second chance to make a good first impression, so make it good the first time. And people will um, people will know who you are if you, if you send out that right message. So I don't need to send it out on a website because they get me right when they meet me. They shake my hand, look into my eyes, and they feel the charisma, confidence, authenticity, sincerity of my being. And as long as I'm communicating, you know, from my heart and just being there with them, how can I serve you, how can I support you, uh, it allows them a peaceful opening from which to say, this is how I need help or this is what I'd like. And everywhere I go, people say, oh, oh, you're in publicity. I need a publicist. Everybody needs a publicist. Everyone does need a publicist. You know, even if, if it's their best friend that introduces them and says, this is my friend Susie, you know, it's always nice to have someone else say something nice about you and make that introduction. So we just do it at a bigger level. So IRL is really important. It's a big strategy in in your entire business, in real life. You meet people. You talk to people. You press the flesh. You put yourself in positions to get lucky. If people can't handle the law of attraction and manifestation thing, then handle that. Either way, you you are doing it. You're a super killer example of somebody who is really, really doing it, not just talking about it. You know, like a lot of people are like, well, theoretically, this should work. No, Denise is here to prove to everybody that this absolutely does work. And one other chapter or one other part of a chapter in the book, it's so weird how this is matching up, 
is all about meeting people, getting out. One way to uh, close the distance between two spaces is to draw a straight line, and a straight line is getting out in the world and meeting people in real life. And you right. know, the next time that you need to get somebody like that on the phone, the next time you need to get somebody like that who gets thousands of emails a week to pick your email out and answer it, is to make some sort of impression that everybody else is not. And so many people are living digitally. I think people fell in love with the wrong part of the dream of working on the Internet, and that is I don't have to ever talk to anybody. And then they get stuck in the position of being just like everybody else in that person's mailbox who they want to get to do a joint venture or to uh, get in their magazine or whatever, and they don't know you from all the other thousands of people who are trying to get to them. But you meet somebody in real life, and all of a sudden you completely turn the tables. They will remember. And if you can make that impression that you do um, on people, then you've got somebody who will pick up the phone and work with you and do stuff with you and move your business along down the road. I love that. What else have you have you been reading my book or mine and Gina's I, book? No, but I can't. I can't wait to read. <laughs> I can't wait to. Did you to get a sneak copy? copy? I would be. I would love to 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 learn more about your book. And you know, I love writing. I have a degree in broadcasting and journalism, and a and a and a minor in, in accounting, business administration. So wonderful. And so I I learned a long time ago that the written word is so 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 valuable. And and certainly um, speaking into your truth and and being out in the world like what we were just talking about and being being present as my. Um, client list grows, grows larger and our team grows bigger and wider, our bandwidth, you know, I can't be out, you know, seven nights a week meeting people, although I love being out in the community and at different events and, and for example, here in, in Hollywood, there's, there's you know, ten red carpet events every single night of the week that I could attend, but uh, at this point, I only am out when I'm actually with a client that, you know, is choosing to have me there or needing me there and and so it's kind of a fun situation. I am branded, if you will, in Hollywood as, you know, the the publicist that's in front of the camera and behind the camera. You know, a lot of the photographers and publicists and PR people, if you look at the Oscars or the recent, you know, Academy Awards red carpet, uh, I love watching it in person or even on TV to see all the glamour and the beauty of all these uh movie stars going across the carpet and then I watch the PR people in the background and they all wear black, you know, and they have their little badge and they carry their client's uh-huh. purse and they that's what they do, you know, typically the, the the publicist does. Well, what I do is I am dressed I dress up in whatever the occasion is. If it's a black tie gala, I'm dressed up in a black tie gala. If it's you know, if it's a casual event, you know, I'm still looking sharp on that red carpet and I have my camera and I have my camera bag and I have my team and I am taking photos or directing those that are, and then I'm in front of the camera and being interviewed as a celebrity, if you will, on the red carpet. And I love that because uh, I just love being out there, and I don't care what side of the camera I'm on as long as I'm with people and helping to serve them and support them, especially, of course, my clients. But it's a lot of fun. I just have so much fun that it doesn't feel like work certainly and it doesn't look like work and that's the biggest compliment I get is is when people are interviewing me is oh you're so you're so effervescent you're so charismatic you're you know you're you're there you are with your camera so often the other publicists and or paparazzi or photographers will take pictures of me taking pictures of the people (laughs) and there I am in my evening gown with my black Canon camera around my neck you know but it's it's just really about just enjoying the journey you know I 
when I when I the way I was raised is in a in a home filled with faith and and my parents taught me that everything was was about you know getting to heaven you know doing unto others and giving unto others and helping people um, and that that was you know to sacrifice you know my parents sacrificed so much to raise four children and and both of them working full time my mother. Uh, was a hospice, still is in her 80s, a hospice nurse, uh, donating her time at the church and in the community. And my father owned a construction company and built it up and had you know many employees, but was always out there digging the ditches and in the trenches with his employees and almost died you know in a ditch with a few employees. And <laughs> the day that happened, he he survived a you know cave in and he walked out of the ditch and he just said, I can't, I have four kids at home, I can't risk my life like this anymore. And he. He retired, and he decided to just, you know, focus on the family, and, and he was, he never missed a soccer game or a football game or any of the of our of our events and singing and whatnot. But I, I learned from my parents that it's about, you know, the joy of giving and, and giving to others. But at, at the same time, I also, in my journey of life, learned that it's not just the destination. It's not just heaven. It's not just sacrificing everything your whole life, that it's okay to be happy and have that, uh, joy along the journey um, to whatever, wherever we're going to be in heaven and eventually. So I had to make a shift when I was in my late 20s when I was really, really working hard and, and um, really killing myself, working two full-time jobs and putting my way through college and then trying to pay off all my college student loans. And I found myself thinking, you know, there has to be more to life than, than this. Uh, and what I realized is the, the dream career I had at NBC as a television broadcaster on my way to the next, you know, producing job, it didn't fulfill me, and I, I couldn't see myself chasing ambulances and telling other people's negative news stories the rest of my life. And, and so I, I just, I just one day just quit my job there at NBC, and I really, I really realized that, you know, I deserve to have a career where. I feel excited and passionate every single day. And that's when I, I transitioned into being a copywriter at an advertising agency and and I built my brand there as a as a journalist and a writer and I had, you know, many, many, you know, Fortune five hundred clients. And then I eventually, you know, started my own my own business and the rest is history I guess. But you know, I just I guess what I wanted to say is that you know, you have to go back to the, the deep roots of what really drives you. So then on the days when you aren't winning, that you can remind yourself of the days that you were a winner and get back into the frame of mind that will um, put you back on your path, and your journey, your destiny. You are an all-too-rare unicorn. That's what you are. Because there's lots oh more goodness. people gonna, can telling I quote stories you on like that? this. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have it. You own that. You built it, so you have it. But, I mean, there are too few stories like yours. There are really, really too few stories. The whole goal of what we're going to be doing in 2016 is is telling these kinds of stories to produce more of these kinds of stories. There's a lot of people who don't know it's okay to be happy. There's a lot of people who really buy into this work myth. you know. And, and it's not like you don't work. You work. But it's fun, so nobody can tell that you're working. But <laughs> they and they think, well, she's got something going on that I that I don't. There's something that she's got that I don't. And in truth, wouldn't you say there's nothing that you have that any other person on earth does not have? You don't have any special advantages or anything, do you? 
Well, um, the one thing I I don't have any special advantages, and I you know I'm blessed um, that I that I'm alive and and you know I I I did go through a near death experience um, with my daughter um, who was in a tragic car accident, and while I didn't have the near death experience, I literally found her dead in the street and called her spirit back into her body, and so that is something that not very many people have experienced. And then to watch her go through being in a coma and 40 days in an ICU, blind, paralyzed, and not um, not sure, we, we weren't sure, I was sure. <laughs> I always had faith that she was going to walk out of that hospital, but not a lot of the doctors or, or others around at that time were very confident of that. And so I wanted to answer your question to say that I have a very, very deep faith, and again, that, that comes from my family and from my parents and from a, the way I was raised, that, you know, when... I'm walking in the most troublesome times of my life, and I think there's nobody around there, you know, that really, you know, God's carrying me through the journey. And so I have to say that I have met some people that don't have that deep faith. So if there's something that maybe not everybody has, I think that that might be it, that, that, that I can say is something that you have to really work at to believe and have that higher power that you know that there's somebody carrying you when you're in your deepest, darkest moments. I wonder if the, if because that's a hero's journey, right? You've you hit you reached a turning point. You you reached a, a a a critical point where there was a crisis and you rose above it and um and there were lots of trials and tribulations involved and everything and you got through it and you got through it a stronger person. Do you think that people have to go through nearly as radical of a thing like that to realize what you realize about the importance of every single moment on this earth, every single thing that they do, and if they're wasting time, if they feel like they're working too hard, that there's, 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 a, there's something else that they could do. Do, do people have to go through a, a major, major crisis to, to, to do that? Do you believe that? No, I, re- I really don't think people have to go through a major crisis, but in my studies of near-death experiences in the last three years, June will be four years since my daughter's accident, I've met so many interesting uh, people. When we were in the hospital, there were so many different, you know, spiritual people from Jewish rabbis to Catholic priests to Indian, you know, native shamans to Reiki masters to all these different types of healers that came in and just poured their love and their spirit into into my daughter that I had such dramatic spiritual transformation that I it, it's hard to deny what, what I went through. I even went through post-traumatic stress disorder afterwards and just the whole transition of, you know, where we were. To, you know, I had four companies that were all at the top of my game, like you said, a lot of great things happening, and I just literally stepped away from everything um, to, in that moment because that's what a mother does for your children, and that's what I did. Um, yeah. I do believe that that not everybody needs to go through something like that, but that they have to we have to work at our attitude and our confidence every day, and we have to surround ourselves like they say you got to surround yourself you know you become like the top five people that you hang out with, and it's so true because one negative person can really bring you down, whereas one person like a school teacher or a a pastor at your church or a neighbor, the mom next door or the coach, the volunteer dad coach out on the soccer field or whatever it is, one person that believes in somebody else can change that person's life forever. And all we need to do is find that one 
person that believes in us, that one mentor. And there's been so many times in my life I could give you a story after story after story. Um, one that comes to mind is, is when I was trying to be a um, contestant in a, in a beauty pageant when I was in high school, and my parents didn't have any money for me to do that, but I was drawn to this one particular opportunity in Santa Clara County, and I wanted to be out there at the fair and I wanted to, you know, share my artwork and some of the other talents. I played the piano and other things I had within the community and I competed, you know, against all of these other women, if you will, but you had to have a sponsor. You had to have somebody to pay the $200 or whatever it was at the time to, to enter and my parents didn't have any money for that. So I had to, at a very young age, just literally go start knocking on doors and saying, I really want to do this and I wrote letters and I sent it out to different people, but there was a, a woman next door that was our neighbor that was, you know, very uh, confident in herself, and she was completely opposite of my mom, who didn't wear makeup and was a very plain Jane, you know, nurse. She was, you know, more of the beauty queen type, if you want to put it into perspective, but she she believed in me and in my dream that I wanted to do that at that moment, and she was the one that, that wrote that check for $200, and when I ended up winning that pageant, you know, I had this picture of me in this hot a pink dress that I, you know, was able to buy with the money that she helped me uh, get into the pageant. I'm just bawling. My eyes are as pink and red as that dress. And I was so, you know, overwhelmed with joy to be winning. But there's that picture of the woman. I don't even remember her name now, right now. I remember her company was called Elon for hair and nails. She had a little nail salon in the neighborhood. And she was my, my, she believed in me. You know, she believed in me. And if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have done that and maybe not gotten onto my path where at that time I thought, you know, if you were a successful beauty queen that you could get a job as a TV uh, anchor broadcaster. That was, that was the way I looked at it back then. And, um, you know, I could share many, many more stories, but that just came to mind at this moment. Wow. Yeah, I think you just went and, and did it. One of the things that we talk about a lot is getting on um, other people's stages, and I know that you have things uh, to talk about here because I, I use that analogy constantly. That the web um, is really, really redundant and overbuilt, and people are buying websites and domains and getting hosting packages with bandwidths that they'll never, ever use, and everybody's bought all of this stuff, and everybody's creating their own channel. And I'm sure you've heard and experienced probably a little bit, at least, uh, the Internet ADD, that there's so many things to pay attention to, and everybody's got their own channel, that nobody can really spend as much time in a certain place on the web as they used to because there wasn't as much stuff going on you know, a long time ago. And you could really get into an article on a blog. You could really get into a podcast and listen to an hour-long podcast because there, you know, you weren't in a hurry to get back to something like Facebook or, or the other podcasts that you have in your list now of <laughs> all the people that you could be listening to in your industry. You don't feel antsy like you're just about ready to get going again. You didn't, but now everybody seems to think that they have to have th- – that the most important thing in their business is their own channel. And, there, and it is important, but it's in a certain order of importance. It's not the most important thing. It's where you do business, however you do it, and you do it a lot through social media and things like that, and um, in real life, pressing the flesh, doing all of that kind of stuff, and don't even have a website, which is an incredible example of leverage. But 
what I've been telling people is you got to just show up on all the over-redundant audiences that are already out there. For every single niche you have, there is one big audience that is a potential for listening, opting in, asking for more information, buying things, buying consulting, whatever. There's one big audience for every niche. And then everybody who's in that niche is fighting for everybody in that audience. So I want to make a list in this niche. And so I'm going to have to steal some attention away from another person, uh, you know, their audience, to get their audience to come over to me. And it takes a lot of effort. And I don't know that a lot of people understand that it's, a, it's not just a one-to-one -one effort. It's if they're paying attention, if they're paying attention to you, Denise, and you have them wrapped, they are engaged with you, it's going to be extraordinarily hard for me to just pick them off and put them on my list. They love you, right? They're, they're right. all about you. You worked really, really hard to get that audience, and you don't want to give it up, and they don't want to give up their attention because they feel like they're home. They feel like I'm talking about the really good people on your list, the really good people who follow you that are really your evangelists and your buyers, your customers. They don't want to go anywhere else. So it's really, really, really hard to build an audience out of something like that. And all audiences are basically the same where the thought leader or authority is doing a really good job of keeping their attention and giving them value and doing all that stuff. It's very hard to peel good quality people off of that list. People who aren't good quality, well, why would you want them on your list anyway? If they're too easy to distract with your shiny thing and they come over to you, they're probably going to be flaky and go somewhere else too. They're not a super engaged type of person. So what I talk about and Gina talks about is, on, is just getting on other people's stages. If you have a stage that you've built with care and love and you've done even paid advertising and all kinds of other stuff uh, to build that over years of time, I just want to be your friend. And I want to bring value to you, bring value to your audience, and gain your trust that I'm not going to poach everybody or you know, that I'm, I'm you know, not one of the leech type people. And then I get your audience, then I get my audience. Then I get my audience. Then you actually can you know, your social following and all that stuff that everybody's trying to build one-on-one one -on -one or one-to-one, -one. Uh, and every sale mm -hmm. and client that they're trying to get one at a time, the really hard, hard work part uh, that most people are taught to do, it goes away. Can you talk – because, I mean, you're on people's stages literally and figuratively <laughs> all the time, <laughs> and it seems like right. you understand the idea of skipping a rock across the pond. You just skip over the top of everything that's going on, and you don't get mired down in it with your own website and your own content marketing plan and all that stuff. Can you talk from your perspective of what that's like, and, and um, did you just stumble upon this? This is the way I'm going to do business, or did somebody teach you this, or how did it happen? That's really interesting. I, I guess I would have to definitely say that I that I stumbled upon, <laughs> I stumbled upon it. Um, I have a lot of fabulous mentors uh, over the decades uh, that I've you know learned from and watched, and uh, one of them said, you know, learn from my bloody knees. You know, learn from yeah. me falling down and getting up so many times and the knocks on my head. You know, don't make the same mistakes I've made. Watch what I've done and let me share with you from my my heart what worked and what didn't work for me. And and when you can have mentors like that that really can share with you uh what worked and what didn't work and and say without a doubt this work it works better this way. And it, if we as as I'm going to say women because I'm in the women's empowerment movement as well, if we can just trust that 
and we can trust. And it's no mistake that I'm on your radio show today on International Women's Day. You know, it's International Women's Month, but today, March 8th, every year, on this moment is International Women's Day. And, you know, when I got up this morning, I thought, what am I going to do to celebrate that? You know, I I made quite a few posts late last night into the early wee hours um, promoting uh, multiple uh, platforms of others. Um, that are doing something today for Women's Day, whether it's a, a Women's uh, Unity event in, in Tucson, Arizona, or a big uh, gathering of women um, serving others at a homeless shelter, or in Dallas, Texas, doing makeovers for abused women. Whatever it is, I'm I'm out there and I'm promoting it. So am I getting paid by all these people to promote them? No. But I believe in their mission. I, I believe in their passion and I believe in their purpose. And I put it out there for the world because I believe that the women in the world need to be uplifted and to see. And I I posted a a post last night that I had from a few years before. It says, you know, what if women ruled the world? What would the world look like? And all the, you know, famous female leaders of the world were interviewed on this particular um, blog. And I just posted it so that people could learn from it in, in honor of International Women's Day today. Um, but it, it brings to mind uh, something that happened to me just just this week with uh, doing the same thing uh, where I posted from – I love how Facebook has memories. And so every day you know, for the last nine years, I, I can see what I've done for the last nine years. So on International Women's Day, I saw nine years' worth of posts that I've made, and I recycled some of my favorite ones. But I also did a fashion show that I produced last year at the Los Angeles Convention Center – for the Ascent Expo, which is an exposition here that just raises consciousness and helps to collaborate with entrepreneurs and to bring those two together in an interesting um, platform. And so I produced a fashion show for a international HIV awareness uh, group that I help support. And I brought together beauty queens and Miss Californias and, and uh other models from our group, um, it's called the Hollywood Red Ribbon Models, and we, we go out and we, we bring awareness to HIV. And in that post, a year later, I, I said something nice about one of the designers and how great she was and how inspired I was by her clothes because she she shredded up all the clothes that she had in her closet because she was going through a horrible, dark time in her life, and she cut them all up with scissors. And then she decided to glue them all back together and tape them all and sew them back together, and she made a designing a designer line out of it. And and she was, you know, really um, on point with what our mission was. And so we, we featured her at the fashion show. A year later, I re-shared that post. And she called me that night and said, I am so impressed with you. I've been watching you for a year. I haven't heard from her in 12 months, not one time. I haven't seen her really like any of my Facebook. A year later, she calls me and says, I'm starting a nonprofit organization in addition to my international clothing line. And I told my board of directors, there's nobody else I want to be our publicist for both the profit and the for-profit except for Denise O'Brien. And I'm calling you at 11 o'clock at night to say, will you come to a meeting tomorrow to um, be a part of this, this mission? Because... I already told my board we're not interviewing. It's just you. How much do you charge? And, and that's that's how it works. That's how my business works. <laughs> it's just I don't do anything except for just be myself and help and promote and share um, the good truths and messages of, of people that I think are really making a difference in the world and being masters of influence in their particular niche. And by doing so, it all comes back to me tenfold. What's what's really neat about that is I think a lot of people approach 
their their problem uh, of or their issue with publicity and getting the attention that they need from the people that they're going after that they want to serve very myopically with with blinders on. They're like, well, I've got to put together some kind of a plan to go after my perfect audience, and therefore I'm going to go do keyword research, or I'm going to go do, you know, I'm going to figure, I'm going to draw my avatar in a notebook. I'm going to I'm going to dress her up or dress him up, and I'm going to age him. I'm going to I'm going to give him a name, and that's the person I'm going after. And that's a really really different thing than what you just described. You're finding your people, or they're finding you, through these broader groups that don't seem on the surface to have any relationship to what you're doing. You're helping nonprofits. You're helping and the, and the nonprofits are audiences of people who mostly don't need your services in many cases I would imagine, but you end up finding or clients end up finding you through this inspired activity of just doing good in the world. How to, how to right. explain that a little bit more because I don't think people understand that you, you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to have your blinders on and, and you can really broaden yourself out and be more general and still find and probably find better clients than you would have the other way. Right. Well, I mean, doing good in the world, like you said, quote, unquote, um, everybody talks about that. You know, I, I run into people all the time and they, they find out I'm a former Miss Santa Monica or Miss California. They go, oh, my gosh, you're – you're a beauty queen that actually really is, you know, creating real peace. Like everybody makes a joke about the beauty queen thing, but you know, <laughs> if anyone knew how hard it how hard it is uh, at the, those top levels to really, you know, be well rounded and to have the the charisma and confidence to to do that, they wouldn't. No one would make a joke about a beauty queen because it's it is one of the hardest jobs in the world, and it starts it starts from um, having the, the drive and the passion from within. And the reason why I enjoy my success in that arena and there were many years where I downplayed I didn't talk about you know my pageant background I didn't you know I just kind of hid that all under a bushel basket as we say was because I didn't want to intimidate the people around me and I felt that they were they were making an insinuation or drawing the conclusion that oh well she's successful because she looks a certain way and oh she's got this job because she looks a certain way but what what people realize the minute they spend five minutes with me at whether it's in a you know, church environment or a business environment or, you know, walking my dog on the beach. It, it doesn't matter where it is. I'm just real all the time in the moment that I'm in. And people people can easily get that. It's not what you look like on the outside. It's who you are on the inside. And it makes it easier and it, more, it makes you more approachable. But the bottom line is, is that when you're when you really have in your heart, I mean really, that you really want to help somebody else, they can feel that. You don't have to say it. You can just like your energy can transition over to their heart, and they can feel it. And when you can get to that level where you really, sincerely, authentically are in a moment with someone, and you want to give to them, they get that. And it 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 it, it does. There's no magic in it. There is no magic in being a giving person. You either are or you aren't. And I was recently uh, studying. Um, some of the scientific studies at Harvard and Stanford and all these, you know, things about image. And, and they, they said that you can, you can show a picture, for example, of uh, a thousand teachers, professors at college, and you, 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 you look at the photos of them one by one by one by one, and you see how they dress. 
and then you see their image on a video with no audio, and they had students rate these teachers, you know, are they this good of a teacher? What's the level of success of the teacher? How smart are they? You know, all the different things. And based on their outside image and what they looked like, they were able to just know which teachers were the best from the people that actually listened to them and went to the class and learned from the teachers, just from looking at a video of not even hearing them speak, just their their out, outer image, if you will. And they ranked them the same as the, the, the college students that took the classes for the entire semester and ranked that teacher. So that's just a, a study that I just recently, you know, read. But it happens over and over again. That that you that you can really make a difference when you when you really are living authentically who you are on the outside, and people can read that from just how they how you appear. So, doing good is about really just being who you are and sh- showing up in the world, and then everything comes to you if you really believe that that's the way it can happen. You know, I wrote a book called Adventures in Manifesting Passion and Purpose, and it was a book. It sounds like your book with you know a lot of different. Uh, ideas and and co-authors in it, but the most important part about it that I shared was once I found what my passion was, everything else, and when I was living in my passion, everything else came together, and and so so synergistically that it's almost, you know, brings me to tears every day when I see how it works. That's awesome. As you were talking, I'm thinking, why can't we just be more like dogs? I mean, really, (laughs) it's if you know me, you know that I put dogs on a pedestal. I'm not saying that in a bad mm-hmm. way. I'm saying I respect dogs in a lot of ways more than I do, you know, some of the human traits that we have in our darker times, you know. And right. dogs can just tell. I was just telling a story about how I always used to just walk up to animals. And it would scare my mom to death. Just all, I mean, if she saw an animal, she knew I was going to be going up to it. If it was a snake, a dog, or a tiger, whatever the heck it was, and I can't explain why I was never mauled. And I did pet some really bad dogs or what people thought were dangerous dogs and, and animals and things. Uh, but I never – there's something about the way you described how people just know. They can just tell with no audio and no – you know, and just looking at someone. And, they're, and, uh, and, and that just made me think about how I approached. And now I know my son is that way too. He knows enough now to say, may I pet your dog. But he's walked up to wolves with no fear whatsoever. And in a situation where I knew the guy who owned the uh, the wolf hybrids, um, he's a really good guy, takes really good care of them. Um, but they're wolves. They're wild. And they will always be wild. They'll never be domestic. And Sammy understands that. I, I've had long conversations with him, and, you know, I told him the differences, and, he kind of went in there a little fast. I'm like, wait a minute, even I. But he did it with such a genuine heart and just pure love because he loves wolves like crazy. Everything's wolves around here. That these wolves that would normally, you know, at least curl up a lip or, you know, be very skittish or whatever, they loved him back. And I just think that there's something to that. There's something to the energy that not only humans but other species can definitely sense and definitely derive their opinion about people and and other animals and everything else based on these things. I don't know why I brought that up, but it's about energy, right? 
Definitely. And, you know, interestingly enough, I have my dog, uh, Captain Toffee, sitting right here at my feet. He follows me from room to room, and we take long, you know, 10-hour, 10-mile, 2-hour walks along the beach, and we enjoy each other's company, and and, uh, he just wants to be everywhere I am. And there's, when I look at him, I actually see, like, a real person, and I feel that. I mean... If I'm on the if I'm on the phone and I'm singing happy birthday to someone, he sings happy birthday. He barks along and sings happy birthday. My kids have been saying <laughs> we need to put that on. You know, will we just be on the phone calling the grandparents or the cousins to wish a happy birthday? And and he'll just be laying down and all of a sudden he comes over and starts singing happy birthday. The whole song. He sings the whole song, bark, 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 bark. And then when we're done singing, he goes back to his <laughs> bed. Um, in the same token, um, if I'm having an emotional conversation with somebody or I'm crying or I'm having you know, some trauma or drama, um, he comes right over to me and just puts his head on my lap and and he knows, you know, he knows. Like, he, it's almost like he's a person. I, I, I've never, I can't, even my mother who doesn't really believe in, like, you know, reincarnation and all that, like, she says, I can't look at his eyes because he sits right there and he looks at me and I feel like he's looking at me like a person, like, they, like there's somebody in there looking at me. And so, you know, I think <laughs> Like that Eddie on Frazier. You, yeah, you get that level. You get that level of intimacy. You know, even like you said with the dog. I mean, it's that innocence. You know, of they're happy all the time, and you know, just the basics of eating and sleeping and walking. You know, make them happy. But, but all animals deserve to have that. You know, we deserve to surround ourselves with that that positive energy. And I, I think even the way I received this beautiful dog into my life was was also the law of attraction. You know, one of my clients, a 100-year-old mother died, and she was like, I'm looking for someone to take care of my dog. And the last thing I wanted was a dog at that point in my life, and I ended up with two of them. Um, so here we are. But the thing is that... that <laughs> Careful what you don't wish for. Every part. Yeah, exactly. Well, my kids, you know, our dog had died years before, and my kids were begging for another dog, and I was a single mom thinking, oh, I, I can't have three kids and another dog. That's a lot of work. But it, it it worked out, and you know now that my kids are off to college, and we still have Toffee here, and he loves being with my my twelve year old Brennan and I, and we have a good time together. So, you know, not without its uh, challenges, still wanting her to you know participate in in raising the pets. But that's another we could have another whole talk show on that. You know, being yeah. being a parent, but you know, being a parent oh, yeah. isn't much different than being a businesswoman. You know, I. I, I, my mantra is I'm the queen of joy, beauty, and passion. So as long as it's bringing somebody, what I'm doing is bringing somebody joy or igniting their passion and creating beauty, you know, within whatever that framework looks like for someone. It's not just on the outside, but beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, and we all want and deserve to have a beautiful life. And it comes from um, naming it and claiming it and wanting to have that, you know, have that, uh, within ourselves lies everything that we ever wanted and we ever dreamed of, um, and we can become that. God wants us to be um, in our truth and and to to dare to grow and to to have our dreams come true. And if we if we can dream it, we can do it. We just have to put action behind it. And it's it, it's not like you can just sit around and wait for everything to come to you. I I work really really hard, but it's not work. It's it's so much right. fun that I have to I have to force myself to go to bed at night. You right. ask me, you know, what gets me up in the morning at the beginning of this call. It's like I have to force myself to go to bed because I know that there's going to be I, I have to be strong and awake for the next day. I hope there'll be a time when I never have to sleep and I can just be in that state of being and 
and and giving and, and passion, and that my body doesn't need need that rest. But in my life right now, that's the way it is. It's a it's a happy journey. Yeah. Well, I I hope that uh, man, it's going to be really hard to recap this one. This one is uh, an odd call for all of the wonderful things and the various things. It's a sampler platter. It's a box of chocolates with every kind you've ever imagined. <laughs> so, but uh, I think one of the big takeaways uh, would be uh, that people can kind of chill out a little bit uh, about what they're because there's a lot of people out there that are like since they're not in their element. They haven't really, they've named and claimed something, but it doesn't resonate really well with them, and it comes from maybe what other people might expect that they should have named and claimed. Therefore, it's not resonating, it's not vibrating well with them. And to replace that uncomfortableness or, or to the, the sense of urgency turns into a lot of work for work's sake. And, and and people don't get anywhere with that. Like I, I I call them moderately successful people. You can generate a business. You can generate a list. You can generate traffic, and you can get, you know, if you're working really really hard at content marketing and social media and SEO and things like that. There's no doubt. There's a lot of people out there, but I would call them only moderately successful, even if they've met their financial goals, uh, you know, because they leave a wake of you know, uh, couples counseling and obesity and health problems and everything behind them in, in that kind of a situation. I think a lot of people, I have a sense that a lot of people believe that work will replace inspiration and, and passion that they don't have yet. And and since they're working so hard, they're not giving them themselves the chance, the opportunity to meet themselves, shake hands with themselves and go, hi, nice to meet you. This is what I'm passionate about. This is what because they're working so hard, right? Nobody, nobody seems to want to be meditating or anything when they got a whole bunch of stuff to do, which is precisely what they need to probably be doing more than anything else because then the, the work that they end up doing becomes inspired action, expi- inspired activity, like you've described here today very well. You work hard, so everybody on the outside is like, wow, it wears me out just looking at her, but she's not getting worn out. She's got a smile on her face, and she doesn't want to go to sleep because she's loving everything she does. But there is work there. That's when the hard work starts. And I think that's where all the memes on Facebook and everything start to make sense. Work hard, have passion, be dedicated. Some of them get a little dark and like sacrifice everything, <laughs> you know, sacrifice mm-hmm. your firstborn. Mm-hmm. But the ones that are really trying to help, it seems like they're saying what you've been saying. You know, if you if you have that energy, you have that passion, and you know exactly what you want, and you know happiness has to go along with it now, and that you're not going to be happy later, that you're not doing work now so I can be happy later on a beach someday, sometime, which never seems to come when people get on that habit trail. <laughs> right. How does that sound to you? Did I did I get it, or does it need refining? Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely uh, agree, you know, with how you've, how you've summed things up. I, I think that you know the measure of our success in life is is by the love we give and not the love that we receive so when we're when we're showing true love in every aspect of our being um to our to our family um to our friends to our communities at large to our clients or you know who who we're in relationship with if we really are in the position of showing how can we give 
um, you know, we will receive that joy and we'll receive that light that comes from that. And I, I kind of liken it to, you know, when you're in darkness and, and you know, one, one little candle can light up the whole room. And the only way that you can actually really, really see that candle sometimes is in the darkness. So, you know, you, you call it sacrifice or hard work or, or whatever. Um, I just call it, it's, it's all around us. There's darkness all around us. There's challenges all around us. There's bills that we all need to pay. There's, you know, families who have loved ones dying on a daily basis. We, we all, you know, I, I love that I have so many friends that, you know, there's at least one or two funerals a week that I could be attending if I, if I had the time to be at every single friend's, you know, service. And I drive as far as I can and go to the closest friends as often as I can and support them financially when they need it and the funeral services or whatnot. And everything is that whole circle of life. So I, I just feel like if you really know that each day of your life matters, that it fully, fully matters, and you know that when you wake up in the morning that you're going to wake up, I pray every morning that when I wake up, I say, Lord, let me uh, be your vessel today. Bring me what you want me to handle today and know that I'm in service to you. And that's what I pray every single day. And I start my day, even when I don't have time, with um, positive affirmation, positive uh, reading, journaling, taking time for myself, um, having my chai latte, you know, but but sitting there reading and feeding myself um, some words of comfort. And um, that that gets me through the morning and it, it fills my spirit to start my day. So I'm happy to... Uh, continue living my life that way. I can't think of any other way to live it. So I didn't. I guess I stumbled upon it, like you said. But it's worked for me, so that's what I'm going to keep doing. And sometimes, you know, you get burned. You have people that, you know, take advantage of you when you're in a giving spirit, and and we always have to be on guard for that. And I continue to, um, to use my 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 women's intuition, if you will, <laughs> to try to try to get through that. Denise, you are a truly, truly awesome human being, and I'm honored, Gina, I'm sure, same, uh, to have you here today. Um, where can everybody find out about you? Because we're at the top of the hour. Where should everybody go to learn to get more in your sphere of influence? Oh, well, thanks for asking. Well, the best thing they can do is, is to just put my name into any any social media platform. It's Denise O'Brien, D-E-N-I-S-E, O apostrophe, capital B, R-I-E-N, Denise O'Brien. You can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, the most important place to find me is out there in the real world. So make a connection. Um, send me a private message on Facebook, and I will follow up personally with anyone that's interested in learning more how we at Dome Consulting Dome Entertainment, Wings Will Love International, California Safari, Mary Kay Cosmetics, all our brands are here to support. We'd love to love to find out how we can serve you. Gina, back Thank to you. Thank you so much, Denise. Oh, my goodness. This was amazing. I don't know why we haven't had you on until now. We're definitely going to have to have you back. Well, that sounds great. Well, I'm going to get on to my next business call, which starts right now at 10 o'clock. I appreciate the honor and privilege of being on your your show, especially in honor of International Women's Day, and maybe we can make it a date for Join for us sure Tuesday at noon Eastern for the next episode of Traffic Masters, from traffic to conversion to business success.